Hey guys, before we start the show, I just want to give a quick shout out to another podcast. Welcome, dear reader, to Dispatches from the Armchair. There's so much news, and the world moves so fast. What are the big ideas and historical forces that are really shaping our world? Go deeper than the headlines with Dispatches from the Armchair. Welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast, part of the Pacific War Channel. Here we speak about history, but also silly things like anime, gaming, Godzilla and quite frankly while drinking profusely. Consider checking out the video version at the Pacific War Channel on YouTube, where Craig edits in the dumbest clips you have ever seen. Please check out our YouTube channel for Pacific War content also. Please grab yourself a drink and enjoy. Alright, this is the Speakeasy Podcast, and I am joined here again with Tupa Loops, aka Jason, and new face. Can I say your name? For the, sure, sure. Name is Nick. We'll say any more than that. And what was your channel, or is going to be your channel now? My channel is uh, Canada Watch on YouTube. And uh, this is the Speakeasy Podcast, where, yeah, you might get some history, but more or less, you're probably going to hear crazy stuff like last time if you watched we talked about the keto butai fighting sin from final fantasy 10 so things get pretty messed up and uh, since you know what you're the new face uh why don't you explain to us what exactly your channel is about oh thanks yeah uh so my uh my background is uh i you know went to a university uh and studied political science uh, Worked for four political campaigns in Canadian politics at various levels of government. And uh, one thing I noticed throughout um, uh, you know, my experience is that I really felt that there needed to be a medium between 10-second uh, news clips to get your political information and the contrast of sitting down and watching Parliament for two hours. So I created a channel called Canada Watch that essentially uh, found segmented topics on various political issues that are current and from the day that just passed and cut them into bite-sized pieces, four or five minutes each, and then sort of allowed them to be there for you to view in a non-biased way and make your own opinion on the subject. Yeah. And uh, actually, just to give you a heads up, the audience, from what I've seen from the analytics, is mostly American, of course, as sure. most YouTube audiences are. But second runner up is Canada. So we are going to have a lot of Canadians watching this. So I think they'd be interested to see this because honestly, we're flooded with American politics with channels like, I don't know, you want to take uh, Tim Pool, for example, we had mentioned before. And uh, we barely hear about uh, politics unless it's, you know, Trudeau shit posting at this point. Yes, exactly. That's basically 95% of politics right now is just his name and whatever you want to put, like the vaccine rollout and how great that's been. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, a major reason I guess we have you here on the show is you have a quite an interesting story. And I think it's something that some you, uh, yeah, I'd say there's a good proportion of YouTubers can relate to this. If you want and are comfortable, you can not name the person or even call them out or anything, but you can just ambiguously say what happened to you as you started a YouTube channel. Sure. So I, uh, started out, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, maybe, you know, things were going well. I was posting. Uh, a couple of times a week. The content is not necessarily as difficult to create, so I was able to get out a few videos a week. And uh, it was going, uh, you know, the analytics were okay. It seemed like there was some level of interest uh, in people uh, looking at the clips. And uh, one, I would say, of the medium to large size YouTubers in the category of Canadian politics 
basically reached out on the channel and uh, please said, uh, please send me a message. Uh, I do something very similar. I cover Canadian politics too. So in the interest of you know, perhaps doing a collaboration or working together, I uh, reached out to him and we started communicating, uh, basically exchanging, oh, you know, why'd you get into this? And do you have any advice? So on and so forth. And he was very friendly at first, uh, very accommodating, you know, suggested a few things regarding, uh, you know, copyright issues and making sure you stay on the right side of YouTube. So I definitely took that to heart. And then around 48 hours later, I started receiving a series of emails and this person didn't like the fact that I was also covering Canadian politics, which is a, a big genre that any, any person has the right to cover and uh, basically accused me of copying and stealing their channel, uh, which I thought was quite uh, interesting considering that no one has a unique copyright domain on Canadian political content. Uh, it's for anyone to decide. And over the course of the next 48 hours, uh, the person attempted to find out who I was, uh, including many interesting things like searching me up uh, on Google, which I had a Google search history, uh, trying to determine my location. And he, they got slowly and slowly better at finding the location and actually ended up coming across uh, my LinkedIn and doxed me successfully uh, and actually found out exactly who I was and threatened to bombard me, my work, uh, my workplace uh, with uh, emails and phone calls until I abandoned uh, the channel altogether. And that was quite interesting. He uh, very much was probably not in a correct state of mind. I definitely wish him well on that front, but it was very unacceptable uh, what he did. He, uh, he threatened me. He accused me of being people that I was not. He then thought I was an imposter of myself, which was interesting. He actually thought I was imp impostering myself, which was interesting. And then, uh, you know, essentially uh, threatened to report me to the police, uh, report me to CPAC, report me to, I don't even know, so many people that would have no grounds to do anything about the channel. So I thought that was interesting and uh, actually really uh, spooked me for a little bit, you know, was... Uh, you know, I was spooked really, too. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, you know, really at the time just trying to live day to day, you know, get through the times that we're in right now. And uh, very much uh, he was a, a wild card that, you know, actually forced me to stop posting on the channel for a while. Not out of a, a mandatory need to stop posting. It was just a preventative, just a, because it was uncertain in terms of what his next action might be. And he certainly uh, seemed like he was an individual that might... Uh, go beyond what people would consider normal in terms of uh, interactions on YouTube. So that was a, a crazy story. Uh, you know, just trying to just trying to do a public good. You know, it was for me. It was not for anything other than just trying to make you know politics more accessible, more information friendly, easier to understand for people. Uh, no real you know secret endeavor behind it. Really, just trying to improve transparency. Something that I noticed in politics has desperately missing especially in an age where there's echo chambers all over the place and you know it's you to go to a place that you just can watch a video and hear the two sides of an issue and just make up your own mind that's what i was trying to create and clearly had a problem with that you know it's actually really noble and it really it resonates to me that you're saying that because you know i myself and i would never <laughs> say this on my normal channel i'm i watch and follow american politics heavily 
And I would say that the situation in America is so bad that Americans at this point are treating their political left and right aisles like they're football teams. Absolutely. And it's absolutely... The other team is wrong no matter what they say. Your team says everything right. And there is no in-between. There's no gray area. And that's obviously a farce. 80% uh, of Americans are probably centrists. And they differ on whatever issues you might bring up. But right now, that's unacceptable to actually say. Uh, you have to choose your tribe. And Canadian politics, we haven't seen this as much, but I feel like it's slithering into our country as we speak. It absolutely is. It absolutely yeah. is. Uh, it's, um, you know, it, and this is not, you know, to go too, you know, off in the politics line, except, you know, people have a limited attention span for that. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely feel that, you know, one of the most empowering things that people can do is have open conversations about political and social issues in a respectful manner. You know, there, it, 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 you can be and feel and have beliefs, whatever you feel, you know, makes sense. And you should be able to openly discuss them and not be villainized for them, not be crucified for them. Uh, and we've lost the lost spoken art of being able just to sit down and have a civil discussion about issues. And that actually when you look at that dynamic of left versus right, uh, which really defines the political spectrum nowadays, what that does is they, they make you know uh, individuals look this way, left and right against each other and say, that's my enemy, when perhaps they need to look at a more class structure and they say, well, you know, it's very advantageous for people that are in higher positions in society to have uh, those that are in you know, working or middle class split because they can continue to uh, take advantage of the system for their own benefit and uh, the art of being able to sit down and have a good discussion about those issues really openly without judgment and being able to hear someone else's opinion and say maybe I agree with you on this maybe not so much on this here's why let's talk about it and being able to walk away from that discussion either ch a changed person or not you know it's a it's a lost art and the the the, the dissension that is that's happened in our discourse for that over the last few years is, is a troubling trend for society in the years to come yeah, I'm not so keen on the British political situation, but I would say we're more akin to them where it is also seeping to their politics, although they, of course, are on the lingering effects of Brexit and all that. So they have kind of this big, tremendous rock in front of them. But here in Canada, it's become interesting since Trudeau came into power because for lack of better words, the American political scene has converged into us where now a lot of Canadians, and I see it, of course, on the evil verse of Twitter, Conservatives are Trumpian, and uh, the liberals are, I guess, the, the libtards of what they would say, you know, in the United States. And it's interesting because we don't have the dichotomy between left and right. We have the NDP, of course, and other parties, like, uh, okay, if you want to add the bloc, or, yeah, or even sure. the, Green, the Green Party. Sure. We're more European in a sense, although I guess we're falling into an Americanized system in some ways. Uh, very much so. Uh, it also has to do with the evolution of uh, social media and an yeah. interesting story uh, you know Jason has heard this one before but I thought I'd bring it up uh, I actually when I was uh, finishing uh, my university studies I did a uh, thesis on and it was in 2011 and I and I, you know back then social media was just starting up maybe a little in its early stages and it's its infancy maybe developing a little bit into something more prominent and uh, I made a very you know, I thought coherent argument that I thought that social media would be a, uh, you know, at the time it was being heralded as the next age of political discussion and like it would be public forum. more open, public forum, democracy, 
This is democracy at its truest form. And I was trying to make an argument that said, you know, I think this is actually going to have some very detrimental effects because at the time, Twitter had 140 characters. And I said, you know, <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, I said, you know, it, it, it's very difficult for to have a reasoned political discussion on 140 characters. And you're all, if you try to simplify a message down to 140 characters, you're ultimately going to have a trickle-down effect where the political parties themselves, who are already attuned to having that type of simple messaging, only further simplify their message and not seek to have a, a more developed platform where they really appeal to your people's you know, intellectualism and people's willingness to understand an issue more than just at its base level. And, uh, and I really tried to make that argument. And in that argument, I actually said, you know, I think that conservatives would eventually really become uh, a prominent figures on social media because I thought the messaging in conservatism was very uh, simplified. You can get a really basic message across very easily. And uh, I even name dropped, I said it would, you know, promote celebrity type politicians uh, including one Donald Trump that might take advantage of that because I had looked at his 1988 oh possible presidential run and uh, at the time he had just uh, had gotten into some trouble for uh, the birther uh, issues at hand so he um, and uh, I brought that up and I actually got a little bit of a, a knock from the professor on the final grade who said interesting thesis I like your idea he's like although some of the stuff regarding conservatism and social media is a bit outlandish including your mention of Donald Trump and knocked me half a point. So I thought that was interesting <laughs> <laughs> how that came to be. Well, two, I'm trying to think 2011 political. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. And that was he even gearing up at that point? He, uh, he had, he had ventured into, uh, politics a little bit. He had been, he had teased the run as early as 1988. Yeah. Uh, Cause he was, I remember he was on a few shows. He was talking about like, I remember there's that famous clip that he said, you know, anybody can run for the Republican party cause they're such idiots. They would, you know, go exactly. for it. Exactly. He had made yeah. that mention and, uh, he, he was just yeah, ramping up. You could tell that he had, he had something in mind. Yeah, for sure. He had, uh, he had something in mind and it was worth looking into. And clearly, you know, regardless of where we are in today's uh, political uh, culture for uh, Donald Trump to rise like that and, you know, assume the presidency of the United States for four years and only be narrowly uh, defeated in a very close and very uh, interesting election in terms of the format of the election uh, four years later, I think, is, uh, is something that is, you know, um, underappreciated in the sense, not for whether you like him or you hate him, it's just the phenomenon of having done so. And a lot of that had to be harness the power of social media and use the conservative message through it. And it was powerful. He was the pioneer that started basically the wave that we see now. And my God, I'm so sorry. Two loops. Oh, no, I mean, it's fine. I guess, okay. <laughs> At least, I, guess, yes. I guess I do have a question uh, for you guys. So, so far, I mean, I haven't been following politics as closely as you two have. Has uh, the Joe Biden uh, presidency been making use of these uh, social media platforms uh, as effectively I... as uh, the Trump era? God, I don't want to commit suicide on my channel, but I would say that Biden's team has done a great job trying to band-aid what they can and not put them on camera much, maybe. And yeah, we are Canadians speaking about Canadian politics and we have no stance in American politics. Please don't come after us. I don't care who your president is or who you don't like. Because I haven't, I haven't heard much about Biden like since he... You know, was inaugurated. It's they, they've it's still like been talking about Trump. There's still been stories about Trump, and well, I think uh, we can all agree that, that mainstream media oh. needs Trump to survive, and they're begging. Biden's for him. not bringing it's critical the for the ratings for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it looks bad. 
You know, today, um, this is really obscure. Vice put out a article that they had to take down, and it was about the Cambodian genocide. And they took pictures of the victims of the genocide that, you know, uh, people that were put in prison before they might have been killed. And for some reason, I don't know if it was someone on their staff, he colorized the photos and then he put smile, he photoshopped them to smile for whatever, there is yet an, a reason as to why he did this, but Vice is now getting a lot of shit for it. And rightfully so, it's a very bizarre story. It just came out a few hours ago since we've begun filming this, because this is not live, obviously. And yeah, uh, I'm gonna just pitch a softball question. So Tuple Loops, because we've already done work together, what are you still working on the same project as before? Do you have anything else down the pipeline? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been working on this Overwatch review for like two weeks now, and uh, next up will be Breath of the Wild. Oh, you're gonna do Breath of the Wild? Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, and Hitman nice. Two. A lot of like big titles. Yeah. The only issue is that. Uh, uh, I haven't been very productive uh, script writing wise. Just I don't know how some of these reviewers just put out a video every week with a, a full script, all the video editing. Guys, are you afraid of birds? <laughs> oh no. Nope. Let's do it. Okay. No, I just because I don't know if the podcast people can even. How? Okay. No, he doesn't want to come. He bit me. <laughs> but my bird is not, as usual, being helpful to the podcast. That's why they're usually on camera. If people didn't realize, the only reason why they show up in the back is because they love to screech whenever I film, which I hope is not being picked up on the mic, and I, I apologize to my audio listeners. My Senegal parrot has a good beak, and he got me good on the shoulder. But, uh, yeah, like, the only thing that I would worry, honestly, because... We got a political YouTube channel, history YouTube channel, game review YouTube channel. As terribly hard as it is to gauge our audiences, because we have limited audiences, let's be honest, there's not that many people Absolutely. interested. I have the opposite problem. I, my opposite. audience is yeah. too big. There's just an oversaturation and too much competition. So yeah. people just aren't going to get... And unfair because of companies like IGN who just absolutely get the views, despite the fact that it's supposed to be kind of a free market landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, once big companies jump to the YouTube game, they're they're unstoppable, right? Like, who's the who beat PewDiePie like a few years ago? Some uh, Indian like media oh, T -series. Yeah, yeah, T series. Yeah, they're a, they're yeah. a music provider. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what can, how can you compete with that if they're putting out like five videos, you know, five high quality videos a day? Seriously, but I mean, arguably, I mean, he's kind of a. I would say he's a mastermind at this point as to the, how he's marketed himself where he made this kind of rivalry and then he just wrote it to 100 million subscribers and like good on him because it was a hilarious ride to watch on YouTube. But for yourself, yeah, it, it is really troubling when you can't get the eyeballs. And I said it to you when I, when I first saw your content, you have gold standard content. Like your memes are on point. It's fresh. It's new. It's youthful. It's exactly what works on YouTube, but unfortunately, it's so hard to start off right now on YouTube. Oh yeah, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. I think there's just been oh, this shit, a yeah. enormous surge of people just starting YouTube channels. Podcasts too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the podcasting apparently, uh, it really, it took off when this all started and now it was so saturated, it was hard to like break through. The only thing with podcasts is people give up real early. Oh. Well, cause there's no early monetization, right? So right. you kind of, you shoot yourself in the foot if you don't try and survive a few months in. That's it. Whereas YouTube, you arguably, you can get up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, I follow this like subreddit on, on, on uh, following YouTubers and there's so many like 
just overnight successes that happen, yeah. you know, and then there's other YouTubers who've been at it for a decade and, and Nothing. just recently got monetized. Yeah. I mean, so that's there's the definitely an element of, uh, of luck involved there. But I mean, like there's always a chance, like, like you said, you, you could be sitting on uh, nothing for so long and all of a sudden it just clicks. Actually, that's what happened with my channel. Uh, if people are longtime viewers of my stuff, basically I made a ton of content under a different name. I used to be NBS history. I made one video, which is one of my worst videos. And I actually screwed up a lot of things in it, which was on the battle of Midway. And from what I can determine doing an investigation, I think Midway had come out on a streaming service in the United States a year after I put out this video. And all of a sudden I got like 350,000 views. Oh, it's from a year old documentary. I, wow. I did like a 25 minute video. I mean, I put a lot of effort, like I put yeah. a lot of effort in it, but my narration was garbage, really bad. Uh, because I just didn't know what I was doing at the time. And a year after it had come out, I believe, or months, months, it was a long time. All of a sudden, where were the, where were the views coming from when you look at your analytics? Was all suggested. search? Oh, suggested videos. Suggested, so browser-based. So basically, if anybody was watching anything to do with Midway, it pinged back to me. That's what I figured out. And then I was looking at the analytics. I'm like, why is this happening? Because nothing else was working for me, just this video. And I figured out that the movie Midway had just come out of theaters and come out on a streaming service oh, in the United I see. States. Right, and there weren't that many Midway documentaries available. On oh, there's a, there's tons, tons. I don't know so exactly. So here's you know what it, I said at the top of the suggestions. You want you want to think maybe because these are the analytics you can't figure out. Was it the thumbnail? Because the click rate was really good. I don't know. I looked at suggested videos. I was pinging off a bunch of other people's videos and they were old videos, like quite old. And I was, I guess, relatively new. Maybe it was just because people looked up Midway and they said, oh, this year. And That's I right. Was, I'll look at something in 2021. Maybe. Just because they want to hear like, I guess, a fresh voice or whatever. Yeah, was, but, yeah. yeah. but to prove a point, you could be sitting on not many views, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden something you made a long time ago just becomes randomly popular and then the YouTube algorithm picks it up and when you get suggested it's uh, it's wildfire. I mean, I don't have anything on this channel that's cleared past uh, 30, oh God, no, actually I do have a few that are 30,000 views, but uh, those were like slow. This one was like absolutely bizarre. It happened in a few months and then it died real quick. It was amazing, it got me monetized and you know, it is what it is. I've worked with other YouTubers who had similar experiences. There's a channel called History Clarified and he did a review of Gangs of New York from a history point of view. And I think he might be closing in on like a million views. Wow. But his other videos, maybe like 800. 800 views here or there. It just, it randomly happens. So anybody who's thinking about, you know, doing a YouTube channel, you never, you really never know. You could overtake us and go to like a crazy amount. Who knows? I, I honestly do believe, uh, Tupa Loops, that you have. Uh, I agree, and I agree uh, that there's the content is, is definitely there. It's definitely there. It's it's high quality. Um, the the effort is there. The quality is there. The video production is there. And it's just a, it's a matter of uh, just keep keep going because I think once someone sees one of your videos they'll be more likely to watch a couple more because of the bite-sized content and the ability to just enjoy the content and have a good laugh. Yeah, and you know, YouTube's favoring videos under 10 minutes now because for a while you couldn't do that. They were, everyone was being forced to do like 11 minute videos, but now the monetization game's kind of changed a little bit. So it's back in your field since you're doing kind of like, not that you have a time span, but you're doing like five to eight, five to six yeah, minutes kind of. Yeah. 
All right. Awesome. Yeah. And if ever uh, anyone tries to dox me, uh, I know who to go to. <laughs> well, I know who to go to, so I'm by no means an expert on this subject. So. Do you have any doc, anything that remotely comes close to it? No, no. No one has, like, reached out to me and sent me 40 emails within the span of, like, half an hour. Has, hasn't happened yet. Was, God. And it was really unfortunate. I think it was know? a free case. It was honestly. really unfortunate because uh, it's something I'm very passionate about and do intend on uh, starting back up uh, in short order. But it, it, it really turned me off. I was like, I can't take these risks. And even though maybe it was being a little overprotective at the time, uh, you know, it, for a variety of reasons, it was just something that was just a complete wild card. And it is unfortunately to be expected having conferred with another uh, political YouTuber uh, in the American political spectrum uh, who gave his thoughts on the subject. He seemed to think that this is something that's not... You know, particularly uncommon, but he did find the situation strange. So, uh, particularly coming from the Canadian political spectrum, which is, you know, sizably smaller than American political content. I thought it would, it's kind of funny to say, I thought it would be more civilized. <laughs> no other way to kind of say it. But yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised. Like, I would, ex if you were doing American politics and either side of the argument you were taking, I, I expect you to get doxxed. I, like, I would yeah, expect it. For sure. But in Canada, it's, and you were not you were not even partisan at all. No, so. it was just a straight matter of fact archiving record of the facts. That was it. Whatever the statements were, the subject matter was. There was no spin on it whatsoever. And and you know what? It's it's tragic because like let's say you were coasting with just a few views for now, but then and we might very well have an early election coming up. People are going to look for quick videos and they want to know the information fast they don't have time like you said before to watch a full thing of parliament which yeah it can be quite boring and um yeah i i hope you do start up again and uh to whoever this individual is who went after you i hope he is going to be on better terms and to allow you to do what you're doing because that is messed up yeah no kidding uh, i hope so as well i uh, i i tend to return to it with uh, good intentions and good faith so you can only hope that uh, the world will send that back to me in return. But if said individual does return, uh, they might not find me so cooperative this time around. Uh, I may just continue onwards because I do feel it's something that's needed. Yeah. Were you, uh, I'm just curious, were you going to do it just in English or were you going to do any? Uh... That's a good point. Uh, right now, the content was just going to be in English. Uh, uh, now, it could be modified to have a Francophone component. Absolutely. It could be French. Because uh, I won't, uh, oh God, I don't know if I should have, I won't name this person, but I actually worked with the person way back when in the restaurant business, and uh, he became a Quebec pundit for politics. Actually, he started being kind of a bizarre Trump supporter, and then he fell into Canadian politics, but uh, last time I checked, he has like three channels, which are like 50k subs each. Wow. Uh, yeah, he's pretty big uh, francophone. He does all his content in French killing it uh so there is a like there is a huge audience in quebec uh i think i've said it quite a few times before uh we're all from quebec oh uh, yeah i had one video with history clarified where i gave the french perspective on one war so yeah if the audience ever wonders yes uh yeah we're from that place in north america that speaks another language yeah and uh you know just to ping back i actually i was rattling my brain to think if i've had any experience even remotely close to yours and uh, I have not, no one as uh, as weird as that to go doxing me. The closest thing I could say was I had a ambitious episode I put out way before the Pacific War Channel was a thing. And ironically, this is Pacific War related. I did an episode on a, a touchy subject, which was atrocities 
performed by Americans uh, during the Pacific War on the Japanese. And I start off with, you know, the episode I was saying, you know, this is completely unbiased. I'm not advocating that either side is good or bad. I think war is a terrible thing. And that the Japanese, I'd argue, did worse than the Americans. I start this off, I end it with that, and I really thought I did like the whole political answer to the situation. Sure, sure. But I showcased the facts. And I got not just very bizarre threats towards me, which I just deleted because, I mean, it's whatever. I got people who openly said some of the most heinous and racist, bizarre stuff publicly, and they would have, like, pictures of themselves as their YouTube icon. Oh, my God. Not, not like, not like that, that, that they were actual YouTubers, but, you know, the people who put a picture of themselves with their family members, and they would say things like, those apes deserved everything that they got, or, you know, whatever. Oh, like, my goodness. I, I actually made an episode showcasing just like some of them, although I, there's a lot that I couldn't publicize, yeah. you know, to protect the person who actually said it. Cause bizarrely enough, these people, like I didn't want to ruin their lives or anything, but like, it's, it's pretty messed up. And I mean, like you can be in the heat of the moment or your grandfather, father, or even yourself had served and you know, all to you for serving, but like you didn't have to take it to like the weird racist roots that they did, especially when it came to taking human skulls as trophies. Because that was kind of part of the episode. What, they were the, they were defending that? Yes. Uh, oh, you know what? Here, I'll educate both of you. Um, so the episode was... Uh, it's not just the Pacific War. This happened in Vietnam, too, but... <laughs> God, I hope I don't get flack for this. Uh, the Americans had a tendency, not all, of course, but a lot of them took uh, trophies. Uh, so they would boil like the heads of Japanese and take the skulls home. There's a famous Time magazine where a woman has a skull on her kind of dresser and it was like a present from her hubby who was overseas. Or they would take teeth. Uh, one guy tried to take a hand, which is a famous incident from Eugene Sledge's book. And uh, when you look at this, you go, oh, well, war is a terrible thing. They weren't taking German skulls home. They weren't taking Italian skulls home. There was, kind of, there was a racist flavor to the war on both sides. Uh, I did a podcast recently where I actually talked about what the Japanese were told about Westerners and they had their own racist views, but, um, yeah, I know you can't deny it. The Pacific war had an element of racism in it. You know, you want to dehumanize the enemy. So they would say terrible things. So I, I naively made an episode kind of like on this because I had taken a course at Concordia, same university. Actually, yeah, we all went to the same yeah, university. We all did. Yeah, 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 exactly. We're all Concordia Absolutely. students. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my professor, you know, he wanted to give both sides of the argument, even though, yeah, if you really wanted to tip the scales, like, honestly, the Japanese are, like, up here in atrocities, sometimes above the Nazis, honestly, and then the Americans, like, they, they're nowhere close, but it did happen, because every side does bad things in war. You always have bad apples, so to say. And, yeah, so I made that episode, and I ate a lot of shit for it, uh, particularly from American Marines. I understand. I completely understand where you're coming from. I was just trying to give the facts, and uh, I said I would at some point give an episode to talk about the other side, which is oversaturated because the Japanese performed so many atrocities during World War II. It's unimaginable, mostly on the on the Chinese population, mind you. And uh, yeah, at some point, I'm probably going to have to tackle this subject again, and I will do the same thing I did before and be very political about it and state that I'm just stating facts and I'll take an opinionated stance on the matter. If I had to ask you uh, both a question, you know, you know, as helpful advice for a, a restart or a relaunch, if you could go back in time, you're both now well seasoned into uh, your YouTube adventures. 
what would you tell your your previous self on day one of launching a YouTube channel that you know now? I'll give it a bit of thought. I'll let you go first. It's easy for me. Coming back to you, when I saw his content when you were just starting out, I realized immediately, and this is going to be maybe a shocker to the audience, I wasn't editing my stuff. It was my significant other. So my girlfriend was actually editing a lot of it. And she's actually very good at it, although she absolutely hates doing it. I never taught myself how to edit. So I went ahead, I saw your stuff, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I really love the memes. I'm like, I always wanted to be funny. I come, I come off too academic and I didn't want the channel to be that. So I self-taught and it has been really, really difficult. And I think people who follow me realized immediately that in the past few months, my content's completely changed. It doesn't look the same at all. And that's just cause I, I really, I got down to it and I just opened up YouTube videos and I learned how to edit. And uh, I would tell my past self who had another channel that was a gaming channel that made a lot of money and that I let die, you should have kept going. Uh, I mean, I, still hope, right? Uh, didn't you post a video a few months ago? And God, you keep talking. He, this guy keeps going back to this gaming channel I used to have. It still has like 800 subscribers or something. And yeah, as a bet to a guy we know, the audience knows Justin. Justin plays a video game called Tibia, which is infamous. And I told Justin that the biggest problem on YouTube with Tibia is everybody speaks Polish or Brazilian. All the videos are in Polish and Brazilian. I said, you could be, literally, you can make the dumbest videos, but as long as you make them in English, you'll get views. And I was absolutely right. I made a video after like, a, I don't know, years not making content on that channel, just a, a stupid tutorial video about something on Tibia. I did it in English, and I didn't get too many views. Slept on it, I didn't even look at the channel, and now it's got like 5K views. So yeah, well, if you play Tibia and you speak English, go make tutorial videos because you have a market. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice niche to capitalize upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking back, I, I just would have, I guess, focused more on the SEO stuff. Oh, which God, you yeah. were, you've been very helpful with for the past uh, Unfortunately, YouTube has changed so much. That's when it. I was teaching you, that was like, at the moment, that was exactly what you had to do. Now it's kind of different, yeah. but still, the description of the title is the most important. That's it, right. And keywords are, at this point, just completely null. And it's always, yeah. it's always in flux. They're always switching it up. The YouTube likes to just juggle you. You know, the, the biggest thing about right now as we're filming, the thing with tags is the most useful thing you can do is find misspelt things for whatever you're talking about. That's about as useful as they get because 99% will come just from the bouncing back of your title and description now. Interesting. Okay. And have a description of at least 250 words. Wow. Yeah. See, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah actually, there's a big market for people who make tutorial videos on how to make YouTube videos. That's a, a huge thing. Like Absolutely. Annie, uh, Annie Dubay, that Montrealer, she, uh, yeah. she recently... Is she from Montreal? I was yeah. wondering with the French... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched her and like... I found it fascinating because the cool thing about her channel is she's just a recent bloomer. That's so it. she's proving that she is efficient at what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. She recently pushed a hundred K hundred K now. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. There's a huge market for YouTube help. Uh, thumbnails, uh, extraordinarily, you know, they, they used to say like have color, have flash. I don't know if you guys know the quartering. I always kind of like look at him and how he's been doing his thumbnails. It's like almost like, 90% of his whole game right now is just like these kooky meme like thumbnails that really draw in the eyes. That that has worked for quite a few years now. Yeah. 
and having thumbnails that are um, consistent. That's a huge thing. Oh, okay. That's something I might work on. But I've kind of been like all over well, the place. For yourself, and I don't know if you want me to talk about it, but you know, you kind of ran into some issues with using like a certain Nintendo character. Right. Yeah. And you had to change it up. But the change that you made to use more of the emphasis on your cat, I thought that's great. And I think that you do, like that consistency is going to help in the long run. Because yeah, I really. It's more of a branding move. It's your, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it, that is your watermark brand. You know, that cat face. I might even incorporate her into the videos if I add some like live action stuff. First, I have to get my hands on the camera. Yeah. Actually, for yourself, uh, since you're in the Canadian political sphere, how are you going to go about with your thumbnails? Is it going to be like the classic what we look at where it's just like a stilled image of whatever is going on in Parliament? Or are you going to I would something? love to find a way to spice that up and make it more, more intriguing. I do notice for sure as an active YouTuber and just someone who spends a lot of time on YouTube that it's when I see a great thumbnail, I'm usually clicking. So it's, I need to find a way to, um, to find, to, to make it a little bit better in the beginning. I, you know, really introductory stuff. Uh, the first three, uh, weeks or so I was just, uh, keeping it real simple and just taking like a, like almost the auto generated thumbnail, you know, and that was very simple and it, it's, it was, it, it, there could be room for improvement. And, I've seen, uh, you know, some, some, you know, research on the topic. I've seen a couple of ideas. Uh, now it depends how personal, uh, I'd like to get with the channel, uh, for sure. Uh, that would be a, it's a, I, you know, a, a strategic decision I would have to make, but it, uh, it, I would love to find a way to spice it up because I think if you could find a way to get that little bit of engagement on the thumbnail, that's more than just a still image of your classic, like what you see on news media where it's maybe a little spiced up. Uh, I think it could draw a new audience and that could uh, yeah. be of use. The idea for my channel is really just to get get the stuff more out there. When you talk to your average Canadian, it's crazy. They know more about U.S. politics than they do about Canadian Absolutely. politics. My, it's crazy. You can say my parents are like that for sure. It's crazy. And then we have to change that. It has to be, we have to be more focused. We have to be more in tune and we will become a better society if we do. And uh, I just want to find a way to do that. And I think there's... A meaningful gap there that needs to be exploited uh, for finding something that people will watch that's sizable, you know, but not a 10 second clip that is heavily filtered and edited by news media. I think there's something there. It's kind of like the, I, I don't know why I would go in this angle, but the people who kind of demonize Jordan Peterson, I find that they, they just try to find him at whatever awkward moment, do like a 10, 15 second clip, and then he's a neo Nazi apparently, you know, and that's awkwardly what's going on in the political sphere and it's kind of just hunting down these people, whoever is on the other side of the aisle, making a weird little clip and taking them out of context and or quoting them out of context is just the norm now. It would be really nice to see a channel like yours actually come up and just, you know, give people the facts or people actually looking at both sides of an argument again, like normal. That was the idea, you know, there was these, now the, the thing is, you know, question period, which is kind of, a, um, there's not really a, a, there is a bit of that American equivalent in the Senate, but a question period, there's a, you know, we have a scheduled time where, you know, parliament sits and there's questions asked by the opposition and then someone from the government responds. And that's a really great form, although it's largely theatrical <laughs> yeah. to sort of get that out there where you can sort of get, here's the answer, question, answer, question, answer, and you can kind of really get um, a back and forth on a subject. Uh, and it, I find that that could be a good form. Uh, but the problem is, is that, yeah, people don't 
people won't have time. People won't have time to for two hours. They need to know what the thing, what the subject matter is. They want to inform themselves for a couple of minutes. Get both sides or three. You know, in game politics, could be three sides of an issue, four sides of an issue, and then make up their own minds. And when you get that, you know, uh, the real polarization of media today has led to a situation where, you know, it's almost already decided for you before you view the clip. And I think we have to get back to letting the audience decide what they think and then arming themselves with information that they can go then into society and either talk to other people about or make up their own minds. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, it's actually really interesting that we have like this podcast going on. We're completely different spheres of like the YouTube audience right now. But I feel that we all converge because a lot of particularly like let's say just like the gamer audience the gamer audience i find is actually becoming more politically motivated and they're spending like particularly the americans they're spending a lot more time shit posting on either side of the aisle and history is becoming very political now whereas it's being destroyed in a lot of senses a lot of narratives are kind of being pushed and they're trying to belittle or change whatever they found uh not preferable to their aisle in the United States, particularly, or tearing down statues, which I know that's, it's a messed up thing to say to anyone in the United States, but despite whoever the statue is, you know, you shouldn't tear it down because if it is quote unquote, someone who represents something completely heinous and evil, you should be teaching people why that person was heinous and evil. Don't tear it down or people will forget. And then uh, who knows, we'll get another Hitler one day, arguably. And uh, as for video games, God, I hope you never dabble in the politics of video games because that's just like the most awkward sphere right now. Oh, is that, uh, is that what the quartering does? I think that's like 90% of his stuff. Oh, yeah? I, I'm not familiar with the, the politics of video games at all, but what's that all about? The quartering... Oh, you mean like the Gamergate stuff? That's that oh, like yeah, a, a little big bit. story like yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. The quartering, you know, quote-unquote, I'm just... He's shilling for the money, and, you know, what makes money right now is drama it's like twitter-esque drama right. you know it, it's not that the guy and the guy clearly does take either side of the aisle like he claims to be a centrist liberal whatever but uh he does absolutely shill towards an audience that kind of wants to you know maybe shit on the other side of the aisle or quote-unquote say and when it comes to games you know we're like we did a review of ghost of tashima we all know the whole dilemma where they were going to the game awards you know with the last of us part two facing off against ghost of tsushima and a lot of people politically made this an issue because of other variables that have nothing to do with it in the first place but yeah politics has seeped into the gaming industry and now people are even attacking developers who have political stances or you know trying to stop the production of certain things all right, right it goes i it's not even worth talking about because it's so silly but yeah yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Stick to no, those all reviews. Of, all of Kotaku in a nutshell. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I stopped reading that years ago. Just a waste of time. And, uh, you know, it's another thing that's interesting. I, I've never talked about this in the podcast. Uh, the use of Reddit. Under... It's something that's not talked about much, I find. When, uh, when we're promoting YouTube content, I think we are all guilty of dabbling into promoting links on Reddit. And that's a curious animal of its own because you're not supposed to technically do it, depending. But I think I, the unspoken rule is you should only self-promote 10% of the time. Yeah. So one out of every 10 posts on Reddit, whether that be you know, sharing, I don't know, a random post that you found online or making a comment... One out of ten should be, you know, self-promotion and no more. 
And yeah, I've not been following that rule at all, and, I, and I've seen the, the results of it. I, I think my account has been partially shadow banned because of it, which is understandable. Interesting that you say that. I know that I have not been shadow banned, but I definitely was banned many times and not for trying to break any particular rules you know it's just like you know you're not supposed to self-promote and i got caught a few times like promoting on the same sites or even making multiple accounts and trying to what they would say is bypass a ban i just literally forgot what subreddits i was posting on at that point because i had so many accounts going on but uh you know reddit is such an effective monster to promote youtube channels and i think everybody kind of knows that but you know it I think that's how girlfriend reviews exploded. Actually, Maybe. now that they're one of the they're the gaming channel that actually uh, I guess mostly influenced me to create a gaming channel. Through watching the reviews and just falling in love with them and, and getting the inspiration to make something similar to that format. And yeah, they they went from like zero to a million subs within like like less than a year, man. But like it was their first two videos that just blew up right off the start because they promoted them on Reddit, and they had the perfect niche, the perfect gimmick. They just promoted it correctly mm. and that that is an, an art in, in and of itself i don't know how you go about it on uh, on reddit but it, most of my stuff gets downloaded immediately downloaded well uh i the moment I they to. smell self-promotion what's funny about the history community is it's uh, it's funny to say but it is people promoting youtube channels mostly depending on what you're shilling out like if you have a specific topic like arguably i do japanese chinese history if you really think about it so on those subreddits i do absolutely fine because i'm uh, a niche group on youtube and they they are eagerly hungry to find my videos and they upvote me like crazy but if you were to go on to certain networks which are dedicated to people answering questions about history that's a no-no and you will get destroyed for that so you just you look at all the groups that have something to do with your topic and you kind of play it by how you see the group. But uh, I do, I'm an active member of Reddit. I answer questions. I, I talk about discussions. I'm not the guy who okay. just... Okay, that's where you and I differ. But I, I, that's, that's the issue. It, it's still 80, 80% yeah. at least promotion. Hmm. Still. And I have been banned on, on other accounts in the past for, you know, promoting too much. I don't know about you in the political sphere. Uh, yeah, you know, so far, um, it's... It's, I've had maybe a little bit more luck only because of the fact that it can come off as sort of informative rather than yeah. self-promotion. So it slides by. A few of the bigger subreddits for, for Canadian news, I guess we'll call it. Um, but, but I do definitely tread with caution because it will, it will come back to bite me for sure. I mean, there is, there is already one major provincial subreddit that is on to me for sure <laughs> and they because all they have and, to do is look at your profile and look at your post they know exactly what yeah. what what's up uh uh and it's um that's something i'm gonna have to think carefully about and obviously hearing the perspectives from you both is uh, is a good uh barometer so i would love to find a way to integrate the two in a way that um spreads awareness on both both platforms uh now i just have to get around the whole self-promotion thing uh, which is obviously and for all, for good reason uh, in place for sure, but at the same time, you know, you have to. Why not allow people the freedom and the creativity to try to get their stuff out there and let the cream rise to the top? Yeah, and I mean, there's really limited options when, particularly when you're starting out. I don't know if you, are, are any of you big Twitter people here. Or? I used to be. I used to be, but not not nearly as much anymore. I don't think I posted in four years or something. Sad thing about Twitter is it's completely useless if you're not already big because you simply are not going to have many followers on Twitter unless you 
or a huge loser who just kind of like spends every day on Twitter like shit talking Trump or I don't know like that's honestly the shill is it comes down on Twitter to hate orange man or orange man is good and then you have a following because people just want to reiterate their own opinions on orange man and that's I'd say 90% of Twitter and that's how you get followers but if you're a historian like me it's garbage couldn't I can't get Twitter followers to save my life I have been posting for probably two months straight Every single day, a interesting history fact, you know, the day of, so if it's uh, April the 14th today or something, what happened on April 14th, who knows, in 1853? Interesting fact. I think I have like 250 followers. <laughs> it's like, it just doesn't work. Whereas Reddit, you're on equal grounds immediately and you could get a huge audience. Or uh, Facebook groups. Facebook groups are very useful. I think you dabbled in the Facebook groups a bit. Yeah, yeah, I did. It actually got me like a quite a few uh, views is very useful yeah. other than that obviously tiktok and instagram uh, doesn't really help me any of the uh, yeah tiktok and instagram have not helped me at all especially like tiktok i mean one of my videos recently i posted little snippets got like over i think it's at like 70k views now and just from that alone i got 100 new followers yeah and did not see a single new view on the the video it was related to. There's just no migration there. It's crazy about that. Your short video game is so strong. I can't like my shorts are dead. They haven't even like I am not even bothering anymore. But you your short game is enormous. I right think now. they're just. I think the the shorts algorithm is just heavily biased towards like gaming video content, games. just like all of YouTube. Well, it's like it's snippetville videos. Actually, you could do good in shorts too, because like yes. if you find a politician who stumbles or says something like just stupid or hilarious, like it'll make for a great short video. And then you know you just add to the end uh, Trudeau win or Trudeau fail, I guess. And then yeah, you probably yeah get views. exactly. No, uh, that's uh, something I'm actively. Uh, well, and to be fair, like when I you know took a little a little bit of a break after this incident, uh, uh, kind of we're re sort of reviewing in the last thirty days or so how to relaunch uh, the channel in, in a good way shorts was a critical component i said this is, could be something that could really have some muster um and i'm looking to find a way to build on that and uh yeah finding the correct clips and the thing that is interesting and i hope that it, it triggers well is you know i do believe that there will be an election called in the next six months so if you build up the content now you do have in the in the political spectrum a naturally a natural building event that occurs on a regular basis, which is an election. So it, you if you build content, you will have natural migration that increases activity over time, and it's just a question of being you know in the right spot in the right time for when that moment happens. And perhaps I'm a bit a little behind the ball now because of the delay, uh, being spooked uh, by said YouTuber. But you know you never know. Maybe uh, it'll be something to uh, build on in the future. God, I would be spooked too. I, I don't think this individual will find this video, mind you, because he probably doesn't watch these types of videos, and I don't even know when well, this is going to come Well, I don't know. Out. I would just avoid putting anywhere in the title or description. Well, thanks for saying it out loud. We had we had gone through almost the entire podcast without saying the name. Maybe I'll edit it Sorry, we can, bleep, we can bleep it out. You know what's funny? Actually, Ian, Ian gave a really, really, really demeaning story about like a thanksgiving actually were you in the i think we did the podcast with you where he was talking about thanksgiver yes yeah. he asked me to edit some stuff out so really? yeah he what about the thanksgiver story well he's like why don't you keep the the whole thing about the drinking game but you know him holding on to the oven handle drunk like no 
Are you kidding out. me? That's that's like prime content right there. Oh, it kills me, but I'll, I'll abide by what I have to abide by. I'll just edit it out. But uh, yeah, oh my god, I feel like I'm really wondering how my audience is going to play out in all this because you know, of course, everyone who watches me is like they're they're history people or arg- I guess arguably they would be. I mean, I do gaming content kind of with axes and allies, yeah. which saw a surprising amount of views. I still think there's a market for it, but it's a niche one. But uh, if people are still watching this, this is uh, episode four at this point. Good on you. I really hope this is going to catch on because I just want to keep inviting, you know, a lot of people I know in my life and like all walks of earth and to talk about different things other than, you know, history. Like I said, uh, I think for the past few episodes, like games, I'm a freaking, I'm an otaku anime nerd. I can always go on about that, but I think I would probably lose all my audience if i went too heavy in that and uh movies you know anything in culture i don't know like if you guys have uh did you both see godzilla versus kong we we watched it together before doing the last podcast yes. yeah i haven't seen it yet though i have okay. it uh, ready to go this is gonna be the first <laughs> one without any godzilla content which is actually like thank god because it's been pretty like the last like if you guys could have heard the last podcast oh my you guys went hard into the lore I just can't believe that the 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 topic and I think the title of that podcast is going to be the Kido Butai, which is like the first airway of the Japanese that attacked Pearl Harbor. If they came into contact with Sin from Final Fantasy X, it was a twenty minute derailment that just kept going, and I had to stop the podcast at some moment. So yeah, that's like that's what this podcast is all about, and I'm even thinking in my head for like the thumbnail how I'm going to go about that one. It's probably going to be cringy as hell, and yeah. Uh, I mean, do you guys got any questions as far as like, or any recommendations for this podcast going forward since I'm branching into uncharted waters, so to say? That's a good question. Uh, fun to do. It's fun to do. Yeah. And, uh, we all know that, uh, sort of having a uh, good contact and social stuff is at a premium in this age. So, yeah. uh, certainly, uh. Uh, fun to do and uh, would definitely be interested in doing more on a variety of subjects too. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, and uh, can, we, yeah. we have a good social circle. We can uh, hook you up with a few, a few guests. Yeah, we know. actually, like, it's incredible. Uh, we, I mean, from my audience's point of view, it, uh, it was Justin for a long time. So I, I do a podcast which basically, um, after every episode I put out, which is a history lesson, you would say, uh, Justin would come on and he would talk about the economics behind whatever I w- had been talking about in the episode. I would do reiterations of the history or things I didn't get to in that episode. And that was going on forever. So when I kind of invited other people to the table, uh, Eric was the first one to come forward, but he's a, he's another history guy. He has a degree in history. He spoke about history stuff, right? And then eventually Ian came in, but again, he's a historian. I was like, you know, not everyone is so keen on this and historians have other hobbies and especially in our age group that you know gaming was the easy one you came forward and then when you came forward and we did that podcast it's like wow this is like actually you know we're unfolding and then you even mentioned more groups of our friends i won't name them in case they don't want to be on or anything they want their names out there for mr docs to come after them or something which is like but uh yeah no it's going to be really interesting to hear like more stories because like the whole idea behind this podcast uh, was one day me and ian were just getting drunk and we were talking about how we just get in arguments all the time about really dumb, stupid locker room shit. Maybe it's history. Maybe it has fucking its Gundam wing. Who knows? And it's funny. 
And I, we just thought, you know, people would love to hear this garbage, like, on a podcast. So well, your old uh, gaming show videos. Oh God! Well. <laughs> oh my God! The drunk gamer wars. Yeah, no, it's been biting at me because you keep bringing up my old channel. I'm like, if I had the know-how, had it, because I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know what I was doing back then. And we were using like a, a terrible laptop webcam and all this crap. If we had more stuff like this into play, I honestly think it would have been successful. And particularly our friend, oh, I shouldn't name him, but we have a certain friend who liked the great fairy from, yes. from, from Legend exactly of Zelda. Yes, that, oh, by the way, I have reached out to him and he's, he's very enthusiastic about uh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, Like I see people like him. It's like the way I saw it, you know, when it comes to podcasts, like people are personalities and people kind of, they don't watch necessarily for the subject matter. They watch for the, the personality of the person. They might have someone they like and that's why they keep coming back. And he was someone I saw as like, he was a natural on camera and uh, who knows, maybe they'll come back one day. Maybe, maybe this podcast one day will do a drunk gamers war. We have to, we must. It was that fun. Was eh? too fun. I don't know. Did you ever get involved in that? No, no, I totally missed the boat on that, but I would definitely be interested. So just to explain to the audience, it was so stupid. We, I would invite, uh, God, it was like four or five friends and we would come with lists of a certain video game character or a video game itself and there would just be questions that we were given pre-hand about like what is the best fps shooter of 2020 or whatever you know it was like a question what was the best female protagonist of those of a certain genre of game we would all show up with these lists and we would just have to openly debate live while pretty intoxicated why we chose what we chose and it was pretty it was pretty hilarious I mean, Justin, uh, Justin had a pretty interesting take on Lulu from Final Fantasy X at one point. That made for an interesting clip. Oh god, just evolved into chaos. It was, and it was grungy and really, oh, it was rough. And, uh, you know, if I could have edited, because this was a long time ago, if I could have learned how to edit back in the day, I think it would have been much more humorous. And uh, we even had some live audience members sexually harassing us. Oh, we were streaming on Twitch, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember... Uh, I won't say his name, but a certain blonde individual was being um, was a fan favorite. Yeah, like the guy kept talking about, <laughs> yeah, and the casting couch comments and that. It was fun, to be sure. Okay, so we're running up the clock here a little bit. Uh, I want to give you guys a chance, honestly, to shout out your channels. Uh, do you want you even start again? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. If you enjoy uh, funny, well, well, like consider you know where I try to be funny game reviews. Uh, check out Tupaloops. And uh, yeah, that's it. Just check it out. Cool. Uh, if you are interested in, you know, Canadian political content, I know we have a lot of Americans on the channel, but maybe you want to know what happens to your neighbor in the north, uh, feel free to check out uh, Canada Watch. It is a uh, political channel dedicated to uploading non-biased, informative content that lets you decide what you think about the issues. Hey, who knows? Maybe in the future you might spin a few looks down south in America. So absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, I don't get doxxed again. Please don't dox me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like I really like. I feel for you. Like this guy. This was a nightmare situation, and hopefully that's all over. And you know, it's a thing in the past. I hope so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, it's like I thought. Definitely, definitely bleep that out. It's <laughs> <Yeah. just>, uh... <laughs> so funny. It's just like we did so like, well. All the way at the end, like we're at the ninety-five percent mark. It's like. Yeah. Sorry, sometimes I forget we're like being filmed right now. It's like Randy it's Marsh and Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so this, I, I guess I'm ending with uh, 
instead of using the Pacific War Channel, I do this really annoying thing where I go over and out. But this has been the Speak Easy podcast. And stay classy, San Diego.